0: Thank uh-huh. for joining me today on another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, all things cloud, anything cloud. I mean, man, cloud is such an enormous word today, and it's literally a computing technology that's seeping into every aspect of our lives. Now, you've heard me say it, and you know I'm no expert but, man, I do know how to find the experts, and I'm super excited today because we have a unique, a different perspective, a higher-level perspective, I would say, one from an executive that we've maybe not had on the program so far. And I think that we're really going to get some keen insights to how the C-suite and how the CIO specifically might be looking at cloud and cloud security and the things that... He or she looks for throughout uh, the day as we're making this rapid digital transformation kind of been forced on us in the last year or so. So, today, we, I mean, the resume's so long. Look, the guy's an official member of the Forbes Technology Council, okay? I mean, he, he's a speaker, he's an author, uh, he's an explorer. He's the founder and manager of Indie CIO Network. There's many other things that we're going to be able to talk about today with Jeffrey Tan. He's long in technology. This is just really going to be a lot of fun. And I think what's going to be exciting about talking with Jeff is he's going to give us some insights from a different perspective on how the information manager information executive is looking at security and cloud throughout the enterprise so man i'm super excited to have you here jeff thank you very much for joining us today
1: Grant, it is fantastic to be here. I can't wait to get into our conversation.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. So why don't you, I mean, I did a meager job uh, really talking about, I mean, I didn't even talk about InterVision and all the other stuff. Why don't you take a minute or two and give the z axes for our listeners?
1: Sure, so I've been involved in technology uh, since uh, the age of the dinosaur, I think, Uh, uh, about 40 years, a wide variety of roles. I uh, I grew up on the software development side of the house. Uh, back in the day, we called us programmers, not uh, not devs. But uh, I I grew up smashing code in the technology industry, and was really going to do that uh, my whole career is what I thought yeah. when I started out. Right, we all have those visions of this is what my career is going to be, and I long about the mid nineties, got drug kicking and screaming, uh, to the management side <laughs> and found out that not only did I love it, but I was fairly decent at it. And so went from that perspective into a wide variety of roles, uh, in management, uh, was working, uh, at that time for a, a global organization, about 60,000 employees, Ooh. uh, and, um, uh, uh, I, I love to say because it sounds so cool. I, I I had staff in Paris, so I spent a lot of time in Paris <laughs> uh, uh, managing that staff, and uh, uh, really spent uh, spent a lot of time on airplanes for yeah. a long time. A global organization, right? Right. Um, and uh, I I got the itch that what I really wanted to do was uh, be the CIO, be the chief information officer. Uh, I I had this desire to. Uh, architect, if you will, a department um, in the way that made sense to me. And so uh, I got a CIO gig at a a commercial real estate developer and spent uh, about four years, uh, maybe five with them, uh, and then moved on and was CIO for a large nonprofit for uh, about five years. Uh, And then in, uh, I guess it was around 2015, I, I like to joke and say I moved to the dark side because I became a vendor. Uh, and I joined a cloud company, uh, a uh, company that was uh, known then as BlueLock. BlueLock was a leader in disaster recovery as a service, uh, mm. in infrastructure as a service. Mm. And uh, we were acquired a couple of years ago by InterVision Systems, which is where I spent uh, the next couple of years of my career as an executive with InterVision. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then about a year ago, I launched my own company, which uh, uh, you mentioned Ton Enterprises and Amplify uh, is kind of the brand that I use for that. Um, And uh, I've been uh, doing a lot of writing and speaking, workshop facilitation and some coaching.
0: And i bet probably spending a little bit of
1: time on Zoom. Uh, yes, <laughs> haven't we all spent a lot of time on, on Zoom yeah. uh, in the last uh, year?
0: Yeah, well, you know, you talk about uh, spending a lot of time on planes, Jeff. I, in 2019, I flew 270,000 miles. Wow. Uh, in, in 2020, I was on the plane once for work. So it was a pretty drastic change for me.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of the way. My 2019, I think I, I was on... Twenty nine or thirty different trips mm. that year. Nowhere mm. near the miles that you, that that you had because I was just you must have been traveling a little bit uh, internationally. I yep. was just domestic, but yep. um, yeah, it was a drastic difference. And and now it's like today I get about three months per gallon of gas. <laughs> Boy,
0: isn't that right? It, the, there are a number of things I think that are pretty remarkable when you really stop and look at how much different they were throughout that calendar year compared to the ones we've had previous. That's that's yes. for sure. So, wow, man, as you talk about your career and, and your decision to move first into management and then subsequently want to be a CIO, I've said many times, I'm no professor, I'm the Gilligan. I would love <laughs> to hear, Jeff, you describe in a sentence or two a CIO. What's a CIO? I mean, I think everyone knows CEO, chief executive officer. Okay. He or she runs everything, but, and, and I, I think I know some of the answer, but I just, I'd love to hear it from a CIO.
1: Wow. That, that is such a a great question. And, And I think part of, part of the challenge with defining that role is it, it continues to evolve yes uh, as the business needs change and the business demands change that role has evolved and today i think the role of cio not only is in the 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 caretaking and management of the technology assets of the company which is kind of where the role was born uh, 20 25 years ago but also to know more and understand more about the business so that they can help guide the company strategy from a technology lens. Uh, it, because it's, it, it's the business strategy that comes first, right? We, we say that a lot, but not everybody really sees the role of the CIO that way. But I view it as my job is to understand and be a part of the business strategy so much so that my technology strategy, my department's technology strategy, helps fulfill that vision. right? Uh, and, and And you can bring solutions to your business peers, that they never even dreamed of because yeah. you understand the technology and you understand the business. So we've got that t- caretaking responsibility uh, of managing those technology assets. But I think we also have the the responsibility to drive that strategy forward. And, and I think We were talking just a second ago about some of the impacts of the of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I I see that as one of the biggest I'll I'll use air quotes that your audience can't see, but positive that came out of the last year is there's this whole new alignment. Between the business leaders and the technology leaders uh, in getting things done, which is fascinating. It me. was
0: forced, wasn't it, Jeff? I mean, yeah. I think everybody was everybody was kind of uh, uh, tootling down the digital transformation uh, trail, right, at varying speeds, with some eager and some not really even caring, and mm-hmm. and then all of the sudden, perfect word alignment, everyone. Mm-hmm became aligned with the same objectives. I've got to work when I'm not there. Yeah, yeah. I've got to be able to get to that from this device,
1: not yours. Yeah, I had a a friend of mine that's a CIO uh, here in uh, central Indiana, where where I'm talking to you from now. Uh, He related that he's had conversations with his business peers uh, about what they're calling pandemic mode. And they were like, we hope we never go back to the way it was before. We want to stay in pandemic mode. In other words, that that heightened sense of alignment, that heightened agility uh, as they're trying to get things done. I mean, just just look at the amazing things that have happened in the retail space uh, in the last year because of – what was forced on us in the, with the pandemic. Uh, I think McKinsey said that we ha, we saw 10 years of technology adoption in three months wow. during the pandemic. Wow. And, and kudos to those CIOs yep. who were in those retail organizations that helped drive that change. Yeah, no kidding.
0: You know, you said something, Jeff, I wanna, uh, I guess, kind of pull on this thread a little bit because you made a statement and it was the words you used, I thought were really significant. You said the lens of technology. You you referred to the business goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. And, and the CIO's job is to uh, drive those business objectives while looking through the lens of technology. And I think that, for me anyway, I really see how that explains more on what a CIO is all about. He or she's not the, necessarily the, the curators of the technology as much as being able to see through it and the benefits it can provide. Is that yes? Is that absolutely. right? Absolutely.
1: Yes. Um, you know, it's been a. We were talking before we we went on the air. It's been a long time before uh, or since I. Uh, configured a router or <laughs> coded a program, right? But I but I know and understand the value that technology can bring to an organization. And one of the things I love about about Intervision is our mission and vision is to transform business through the evolutionary power of technology. To me, that's what I've been trying to do my whole career is transform business through the evolutionary power of technology. Because it can. It can change business, Mm. but it's not technology for technology's sake. And, again, we all say that. We all say, oh, it's not technology for technology's sake. But you really have to believe it. Yeah. uh, Because it's really that mindset of what's the business trying to achieve, what's the customer experience like, uh, and how does our technology help further that vision of the overall organization.
0: Right, right. It, you know, it's extraordinary. And I had this conversation with Brendan Stavely, who was on the program in my previous episode. And he's the America sales leader for AWS security at Amazon. Mm-hmm. And we had the discussion. And it's really quite fascinating that the whole notion of AWS EC2 was born out of necessity. Right. The fact that they they needed an environment that could breathe and take deep breaths when needing to scale and exhale when business was low. Right. I find it fascinating that what really drove what we now know today as cloud overall was a business case relating to solving business problems. I think it's uh, it's amazing.
1: it is when when i was working for uh, for intervision and and blue lock the disaster recovery as a service we always used to say never let a, a good compelling event go to waste exactly right and, and and it's that same thing it's it's born out of necessity that that we do this and and i love the way that uh, you were talking about it in that episode in that it allows you to breathe. I, I love that humanization of the concept um, uh, because that's exactly right. I think one of the major advantages of cloud is the elasticity, the ability to scale up, but also the ability to scale down. That breathing yes. that you were that you were talking about. To, to me, that's by far the, the biggest advantage to going to cloud from, uh, from the seat of the CIO.
0: It's the old notion of uh, supply and demand, right? I mean, you're aligning that. I was having, it's funny. So I had this conversation because my kid was asking me, why, is it, why can't I buy toilet paper? I mean, why is there such a shortage on toilet paper? This was a <laughs> few months ago, right? And I uh-huh. explained uh-huh. to him, and you know this, there's no toilet paper shortage, But our economy, and this I remember back when I was at Apple in the 80s, it was really the buzz, just in time manufacturing, right? Uh This whole move away from Kimberly Clark having warehouses and warehouses full of product, you know, they started saying, hey, we should build what we need if we do a better job mm-hmm. tracking our orders, and that's where the world evolves. So that the supply chain knows we use 643,000 rolls of toilet paper a week, and so they make yes. 650, you know? And, yep. And, and, yep. and And that's what happened because all of a sudden there was a run on toilet paper and it disrupted that just-in-time process. But I guess that's a long way of getting to that's what cloud enables us to do with compute, right to, to really yes. have it just in time whether it's uh, just in time to reduce it or
1: just in time to increase it. yeah it's that it's it's that elasticity and and, and I think you know that was one of the major drivers when when I was CIO, uh, we went on a, a large cloud cloud initiative at the nonprofit that I was CIO for. Uh, From about 2010 to 2015, we migrated, ended up migrating almost everything except perhaps some domain controllers, file servers, everything else uh, ended up being in the cloud uh, because it gave us that elasticity to be able to scale up, scale down. It also gave us the agility which in my mind is, is a little bit different. It's agility from that perspective is the ability to pivot the business. Uh, right. and this nonprofit loved to fire up new lines of business just to see if they'd work. Um, new services, new mission. Uh, and so we'd be able to fire those up without a large capital investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they worked awesome, if they didn't, we could peel them back down again. So you get that uh, agility and elasticity. Fail fast. Fail fast. Right to yeah, be able to yeah, yeah. you know uh, try it if
0: it works great if it doesn't you can adjust quickly and I, I think you're yeah, exactly right you can do right. that in the cloud yep yeah and you know now when you look at the cloud I mean back then it just it's pretty extraordinary now how Jeff the cloud is is really a, become a platform that's so much larger when you go from you know just a basic you know AMI or image all the way to Infrastructure as code, Kubernetes, the whole Terraform world. I mean, there's so many functions. I mean, it's gotten oh, it's enormous. Amazing.
1: Yes, it, and, and you know, I I was I did a uh, webcast recently for for Intervision. And we talked about on that webcast looking at it from the from the seat of the CIO. So from the perspective of of the CIO, but on the impacts on his or her team. Uh, and so we talked about transforming your team because you're right. you just rattled off uh, several different technologies that 10 years ago no one was using. yep um, and, and you have a, a lot of these architects and engineers that grew up handling the hardware. Uh, and writing configurations a device at a time. And now, all of a sudden, you put them in this infrastructure as code. And, and in a sense, you've turned a lot of, of infrastructure engineers into developers. <laughs> yeah. And they have no no offense to 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 those folks. They have no idea what it means to write code uh, that's maintainable, repeatable, and all those things that they teach us uh, that, that grew up on the coding side of the house. That was all foreign to them. Yeah. Uh, and and so this mind shift and culture shift that you have to go through is just an incredible change. That when you're talking about a cloud journey, a lot of times it gets overlooked because we're focused on the technology. And not on the people that have to change.
0: Yeah, boy, no kidding. And and the rate of change, you know, I had another guest here, uh, Mike Morato, great guy. And he was talking when he was at Visa and some previous experiences on the approach. And and the approach was, well, this is how we did it on-prem. So (laughs) this is how we'll do it in the cloud. And he admitted it was a tragic catastrophic mistake because you're really you're setting yourself up for failure if you go into the environment thinking it's like the old one right it really is there's a lot of new learning and how does you know from a from an organizational perspective how at the executive level how do you instill that need for unlearning because that's kind of what it is (laughs)
1: Uh, it, it is. I, and I think that's one of the challenges that uh, face CIOs quite often. Obviously, I have a soft spot in my heart for for uh, the CIO. Um, I, I think part of it starts with, uh, it sounds too too simple, it starts with the why. Why are you going to cloud in the first place? So it starts with what's your strategy? Uh, and then it's, what's your plan? Uh, I can remember, this was, gosh, probably, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, I, I asked a room of CIOs, how many had um, some workloads that were running in the cloud? There was probably 30, 30 people in the room, and of that, I'd guess 28 raised their hand. Mm-hmm. They have workloads in the in the cloud. Mm-hmm. The next question I asked, Grant, was, what's your strategy? <laughs> no one had a strategy. They were all in the cloud, but they were kind of there by accident almost. Yeah. So I think you have to know your why, and then you have to have your strategy defined. And part of that strategy has to be, how do you bring the people along? Here, here's a great example of, uh, I'll, I'll fall on the sword and talk about one of my failures um, uh, in, in leadership. Uh, I was I was CIO for that nonprofit, and we were moving our email to the cloud. It was our first step. We've not done anything else with cloud mm-hmm. uh, per se, but that was our first step along that journey. And so we, we formed a team and we, we uh, did a, a, a competitive analysis against this provider and that provider. Uh, and uh, we ended up choosing... Um, Google for our our email. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we started the migration and we, we launched and everything was great. And two weeks after we went live, my senior systems engineer came into my office and resigned because even though he was on the team and even though he helped decide, he always saw himself as an exchange guy. He couldn't see himself in the new future. I had failed to paint the picture for him of what his role, his contribution, his value would be to the organization in the future. Fast forward a couple of years, well, probably a year and a half, I'd learned my lesson and we were looking at uh, leveraging disaster recovery as a service as our next step in the cloud. And I had a different systems engineer at the time because the last one had resigned Mm -hmm. and I sat him down and we spent a lot of time talking about his role, what it meant for him, what it meant for the organization to, to go down this path and what he'd be able to do if he didn't have to spend all his time or a majority of his time worrying about This part of DR and that part of DR. And, you know, Grant, he ended up being the champion of that initiative. And then later, he would spend time in the business, observing the business from a tech, using that technology lens. Um, And he was able to redesign, at that time it was a pretty large retailer uh, that uh, we were working for, and he was able to redesign the checkout process to speed up the checkout lanes. Wow! Had he been spending months doing his disaster recovery preparedness and tests and and all those kinds of things, he never would have had the opportunity to go do that. But I, I, I hold those up as, as different views of how to do that. One was woefully unsuccessful from a people perspective, and the other one was very successful. Because I think you have to take that time to have those conversations. And, and more than just the conversations, you have to paint the picture so vividly that your team can see themselves in that new reality.
0: Boy, I, you know, that is such sage advice, Jeff. I mean, it really is. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, one of the things we forget is the most critical component. It is the people. And here's what I'm talking about. It's no different than what you're uh, mentioning. For example, one of the things that we really believe in, Checkpoint, is the consolidation that organizations now really you know, we, with all that's been going on and the fact that every device is hyper-connected to the other and everything's going through the cloud, the fact is we ought to stop and look at unifying, harmonizing, if you will, our cybersecurity and leverage a more common threat intelligence. This is something we believe. But one of the things that we've discovered is when we go in and talk to a client, someone like yourself... That may be music to your ears. Jeff, CIO, we're going to talk to you about reducing the number of interfaces, reducing the number of vendors, reducing the number of contracts, right? Those are all good things. Yep. they are. But having that same discussion with the network engineer or network manager or security manager um, may not get received the same way because they Thanks. may think… I'm going to be out of a job. Yeah. They're not going to need me. So the fact that you take the time, that you took the time and went to the human resource and said, listen, we're going to make these changes so that you can. I mean, I, I guess I was thinking when you were talking about the email, I was thinking, it's not a product. It's a solution for the business. And you're not, you know, a mechanic for a particular product, right. but you're a maintenance man for our information systems. Right. It's just understanding yeah. and how they look at themselves. And I think that that's really, really great advice that people understand none of this technology works without them.
1: That's right. That's right. So much of what we need to do as as IT leaders, whether we're whether we're on the CIO side of the desk, or whether we're on the technology provider service provider side side of the desk, is we need to communicate at the right level, right, the right messaging, uh, in the right way, and help the other side of the desk understand. What we're saying and, and what we're seeing yep. from a technology perspective—that's that's one of the reasons why I, I work with Intervision today—is I bring them that perspective of the CIO. What is the CIO thinking? What's important to them? Not that I can dare say I speak for all CIOs. I I, I know a lot of them, but I think it brings that unique perspective that perhaps. They don't always see. And as you were just mentioning, you, you sit down with a, with a network engineer and say, I'm going to eliminate all these different kinds of devices. They're going to be like, what What am I supposed to do? Right. Uh, and, and if you can paint a picture differently, not in the same way you would paint it for the CIO, but talk about the advantages to them of right. what they're going to be able to do because you've, you've done this, made this easier. Uh, I think it goes a long way.
0: Yeah, and I just really think you know, as I think even more through uh, your words, they're spot on in how you present change, right? Because you you can you can make that decision in the boardroom and then mm-hmm. uh, present it with a list of these are the actions we're taking, right? Without any context, and that's what clearly will result in people saying, "Hey, well, you're deciding to go a different way and that's not me. I'm I'm an yeah, exchange yeah. guy." As opposed to presenting it in a in a context that everyone that's on the on the bus, so to speak, understands they contribute and you're going to and you're going to free them up. You're you're truly going to to release them and enable them to be focused on more productive things for the business as opposed yes. to being mired in the little minutiae, at least that to me, I'm going to be, I'm going to be leaning in to hear more about these changes.
1: Exactly. Cause you get, you get, you get bought in and you even mentioned the, the board level. And I know we were talking earlier about some of the metrics and KPIs. And, and I think sometimes we're our, we in, in it are our own worst enemy, because we always talk in terms of the technology. It's, how many tickets did we solve? It's, right. uh, what was our uptime percentage? It was how many threats did we block? Right. The 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 business the the C suite the CEO the board they don't care. Right. All they care about is that the technology was there when they needed it. Right. Um, right. And so we we have to talk in terms of. I'm going to go back to retail again, just because I, I found some of that McKinsey report so fascinating. But um, if you're talking in terms of retail and you want to promote your uptime percentage, great. But do it in the number of sales per hour per square foot in your stores that you were able to enable because you were up and operational. That will get the attention of the board, not, hey, our network was up 99.999% of the time. Because if the, if, if the time that you're down is Black Friday, no one's going to care that you were up the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It reminds me, Jeff, when I worked uh, for this Apple dealership, Quantum Computers, uh, this was before I went to work for Apple, had a fantastic trainer. His name was Ron Reed. This guy was just amazing. And, one, and I still today remember this and use it. And this is what I think of when you tell me that. So what? What Ron taught was when you go and you tell someone, hey, we had 99% uptime. If you can, in the back of your mind, say to yourself, so what? And you haven't answered that. You've told Uh them nothing. Yeah, and, and, exactly. and he described it in the context, you understand back in you know the early uh, mid 80s, it was all about, oh, we've got this much memory and this kind of processor and this much clock speed and this much RAM and this much mm-hmm. ROM Right. I mean, all this stuff. And yep. it was like, so what? So what? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I think of when you it's a great reminder when we go into the boardroom. Right. When we're reporting to the executives, it's not about all those numbers. It's so what? How is it helping my business? So what? Yes. That's great advice. So, hey, I want to ask. I want to ask about uh, amplifying my value and amplifying (laughs) my job search. Let's let's talk a little bit about Amplify. I'm looking at the, the cover of. Amplify Your Value, Leading IT with
1: Strategic Vision. This is a book you wrote? Yes, yes. Uh, So that that book came out in 2018. And it's really, it encompasses a, a lot of the messaging that we've been talking about today, Grant, in that it's as a CIO, how do you understand the business at a deep enough level that you know how the business makes money and sometimes that that seems obvious but you know how, what's the go to market strategy what are the customers like how, how what's the purchasing what's the buying process your customers go through it's how do you understand the, the the vision and the strategy of your company so that you and your team can build a vision for the technology aspects Develop strategies that help get you on the road to that vision, and then how do you execute upon that vision? Uh, and so, in that book, you'll find a lot of uh, a lot of stories, but a lot of useful information about how to do that. Uh, the other the other book you mentioned was Amplify Your Job Search. That mm-hmm. just came out in in August. It is not specifically focused on the IT professional. It's really for any professional who is either in a job search or contemplating a a job search. And it was written in reaction to the pandemic. Hmm. Uh, I I was writing a different book in January and February of 2020. And in March, I started to see what was happening. And I started to see the reductions in force and the furloughs and, and everything that was going to be happening to People's jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put that other book on the digital shelf, and I started writing "Amplify Your Job Search," uh, and it's really that it, it's a culmination of. Uh, I've never been in HR. I'm not a recruiter. Uh, that's not my skill set. But my skill set is I've been a job seeker uh, multiple times throughout my career. Yep. I've been a hiring manager. I would be hard pressed to to recount the number of people <laughs> that I've hired over the years. Uh, and I've mentored and and coached people on their job search for the last twelve or fifteen years. So all of those lessons learned are encompassed in Amplify Your Job Search, and it's a it's really a way to put a job search on its head and make it a laser focused approach. So rather than looking specifically for openings, you're looking for industries, companies and openings. Mm -hmm. So you are laser focused on the job that you're trying to find.
0: Yeah, boy. And, you know, that's another thing, isn't it? With the whole pandemic, there's just a number of interesting things that uh, I think you pointed out presented opportunities really positive Mm -hmm. things that are a result of it i mean god forbid uh, i fortunately knock on wood don't know anyone directly that uh, was severely impacted or or lost their life Uh, but it's been horrible but the flip side is you know we really have learned quite a lot i mean as a cio if i told you we used to have a travel and expense budget of pick a number of millions yeah, and yeah. uh through the course of the year Jeff we reduced that number by 97% yeah but our but we still made our numbers we still delivered our message we still created the uh as many or maybe more Uh, qualified leads. So my question is, it's 2021 and things are are, uh, starting to get unbridled again. Are you fine as the CIO uh, just going back to the way it used to be, spending those Tens of millions of dollars flying all around, spending those tens of thousands of dollars paying for events.
1: That is the billion dollar question, right? Is how what's going to happen next? And and the the thing that I look to is some of this. You're not going to be able to put the genie back in the bottle. Yep. Um, you know the work from anywhere concept and uh, remote work that so many people were as you described earlier forced into implementing found out that it really does work organizations such as such as yours found out that hey you don't have to fly sales reps all over the country to hit your numbers yep. uh, so maybe we've learned some lessons from this that we can apply and change the way that work gets done in right. the future um, you were talking about a migration to the cloud and, and let's just do a lift and shift and get it there is the wrong way to approach. And so similarly to that, this approach is let's not just take the way work used to get done and force it into this work from home world or yep. let's try to force everybody back. Let's figure out the way work gets done in the future. Um, And let's build that together as business partners, business colleagues to to make that happen. And, you know, I think as as I look around the the companies that were successful, more successful, I wouldn't say uh, exclusively uh, in the last year. Took that pr- approach. Took the approach of let's look at see how we can do things in right. this new world. Uh, they were also probably fairly well on their cloud journey. I'm not. I'm not seeing statistics, per se, on on that. But I, I do know companies that were already in the cloud had less of a challenge of making the pivot. No question uh, in the last year than some of the others. Um, and and I know that uh, Intervision saw a pretty good uptick in those companies who wanted to accelerate their migration to the cloud because of uh, what was going on. So I I think cloud's a good part of this, but it's also reimagining, re-envisioning the way work gets done.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, the question I've asked in the past is, you know, imagine holding right now in your hands a a rubber band that maybe it's a, well, let's say it's an inch and a half wide maybe four inches in diameter. So it's pretty thick, pretty heavy duty rubber band. And you put your hands in and you stretch it as far as you can. (laughs) And then you let go. That rubber band has nearly 100% memory. Very close, right? It goes back to just about where it was before you started pulling. And that's always, that's how I set up the question, Jeff, how much memory Will our day-to-day operations have once this rubber band is fully uh, uh, collapsed back to its old way? Uh, and so it's just putting another way to the same question yeah. of, yeah. you know, how are we going to? How are we going to? Because for me, I struggle as a business person if I had a bunch of employees and I was able to demonstrate it. I understand being able you want to go back and see customers, but it seems like there's not gonna be, be a hundred percent memory. I'm gonna find there's gonna be a higher level of scrutiny on on why and when those events are occurring and that money's being spent. At least it seems like it.
1: I, I think you're right. I, I I hope at least we've we've stretched the rubber band just a little bit. Uh, maybe even maybe more than a little bit uh, beyond its original shape by what's going on in the last year.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. Because, I mean, I'm unusual because I've worked from home for a long, long time. But right now, in fact, I've found I've spoke at more than two times the number of events in front of equally as many more people virtually mm-hmm. than I did live now of course it's not as good but maybe sometimes it is i mean i don't know i it'll be interesting to see how things play out over the course of the next year or two for sure
1: yes i agree i agree totally
0: i've really enjoyed talking with you let me if you've got a a couple more minutes i'd love to hear your thoughts because i know you know i'm i work for the vendor uh have been in the vendor side i suspect i have a few listeners I want to move and just hear your thoughts on the dialogue and discussions you recommend with the C-suite and, in particular, the CIO as it relates to security. Because I think some people stumble on, you know, we've got this role, the CIO, but then we have this role, CISO. What's the mm-hmm. interplay there? How How should we interact with and what should we emphasize? What's the so what For the CIO versus the
1: CISO? That is such a a great question, and it it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier is tailoring the message for the audience. The CIO is in a, a different situation in that he or she is not only responsible for security, uh, even if there is a, a CISO on board, mm-hmm. uh, but in a lot of organizations, they may not even have a dedicated role for that yet. Um, but they they have the responsibility for security, but they also have the uh, the the responsibility to enable the employees to get work done. They also have the responsibility for enabling customers to interact with the organization, and so they're playing this balancing act between. Uh, tightening down every single control that you can tighten down, uh, and opening up Pandora's box. Right? Mm-hmm. They have to. They have to balance that all day long. And so, as a as a security vendor, being empathetic to that role and identifying to the CIO how it helps him or her on both sides. Of that of that scale, right is, is the right way to position it, right We're going to help you here with with the security, but it's going to enable ease of use or whatever the dynamic is for that particular organization that's important to them uh, on the other side. so you you've got to give both messages not one or the other.
0: so it's kind of like what we were talking about before, right the CIO is looking through the lens of technology. And as a vendor, I need to be able to understand uh, what you are seeing on the other side of that lens and how my product or services can actually improve your business objectives getting through that. Right.
1: Absolutely. Know me and know my business, because if you if you know both of those, you're going to be able to talk to me in the way that I need to hear it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How many salespeople will just ring up Jeff and start rattling off on their great product or service and yeah. have not really <laughs> done right. any investigation on to you and what matters to you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on uh, <laughs> vendor relationships.
0: Vendor protocol. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the one thing we know is you don't talk to anybody unless you have their mobile number because who takes a phone call anymore from the desk
1: line? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Jeff, this has been so terrific. I really have enjoyed getting to know you and speak with you. And uh, I'm going to get your book. I want to read the Amplify Your Value. I'm on that right away. Um, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very, very much for taking so much time with us today.
1: My pleasure, Grant. It's been enjoyable. I I uh, was introduced to your program a, a week or so ago and just love it. I've listened to several episodes. So I'm going to uh, promote this within my network for sure. It's a it's a great program. Uh, and for the listeners out there, if you want to connect with me, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, JTUN Indy. Uh, really easy to find on LinkedIn, JTUN Indy. I-N-D-Y. Or you can uh, find me on InterVision's website and uh, listen to some of the stuff that we've talked about there as well.
0: Yeah. And what I'll do, Jeff, is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn in the description when I publish this, if that's okay.
1: Oh, that will be fantastic. Yes. Thank you.
0: Outstanding. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we did it again. And another great episode. Jeff Tun, thank you again. It was really outstanding. You are a great guest, and I sure hope we can have you back again sometime.
1: Thanks for having me, Grant.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for being here, Jeff. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all very, very much. You know, I really do appreciate you listening, sharing, uh, subscribing, telling your friends. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back on the next episode of Talking Cloud.